Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Good morning, Greystone. Good morning. All right, let's get a big fat smile on everybody this morning. Come on now. We got goodies in the back, food, cookies, you name it. We have a lot to smile about today. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Way Church service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for making all this possible for us. By going to that cross and shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we can have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives, and we study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. We all need each other for this to function properly. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Amen. Also, I want to say hello to our family who are watching from the live feed, who can't be here with us. If you'd like to worship with us in unity of the spirit this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you do have a cell phone and I ask that you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service. And as always, we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and become more and more like you, Father. Help us to put your name first in our lives, Lord, even over our own, as all of us fight to do that, Lord. Help us to grow spiritually and understand your ways are higher than our ways, Lord. Help us always to get better and not bitter when you correct us, Lord, knowing that it's all designed to transform us into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus, so we can glorify you, Lord, and bring others into your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord. Thank you for all the answered prayers, Lord. Thank you for salvation, that awesome gift that you've given us, Lord. And for all who believe in you, that heaven is our home guaranteed, and you see us by your spirit, Father. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us to grow, Lord, in that grace and knowledge, so we can show others that Jesus is running our lives, and no longer ourselves, or the devil. We pray, thank you, Lord, for the people who are not here with us that are still sick, Lord. Our sister Doreen, we're just grateful for George coming back to us. And Giselle, we're just grateful for all of them. And anyone else who might not be feeling well, we all love you, and God is always with you, and will never leave you nor forsake you. And as always, let everything be done this morning by your spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful, mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to stand. Brittany's going to come in, up and usher in the spirit, and we're going to get started.
got a lot of beautiful voices in this hall this morning. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah. <laughs> the kids are being dismissed. What a beautiful day, huh? What a beautiful day. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning. Beautiful day, beautiful song. I'd like to thank all the guys that came yesterday. But the church is growing. The church is alive. Grace is alive now. One body, many parts. Just a little information to come in Monday morning to start the painting work on the chapel. Amen? So if all goes well, by next Sunday we'll have a freshly painted chapel. And if you turn to the, down there, look in the back in that showcase, is the deed to our church for the Way Ministries now. Everybody that participated in all the hard work to get that deed. A lot went on to get it here. We're just grateful. One body, many parts. We're grateful. Amen. God's time, not ours, right? Amen. All right. Let us turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to start there this morning. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taking over when I go into these scriptures. So. Prepare your minds, clear your hearts for the world system so we can get a crystal clear message from God's word. Amen? Amen? Okay, we do have a blue card in there. If you have trouble finding the scriptures that our sister Donna printed out for us to make it easier to get there. So help yourself to it. And don't forget, we got some baked goodies back there. It's going to uh, support the church, so please, do your best. We definitely need it. The church needs a lot of work, and we definitely need to uh, raise some money for it. So, Plus, you get some sweets. How can you beat that? Hey. I went on the treadmill for another half hour last night. <laughs> so I could eat a couple extra muffins. <laughs> so it won't stick so bad. It's funny, when you're young, you can eat whatever you want. Nothing sticks to you. You start hitting your 50s and your 60s and everything sticks to you. <laughs> like I said before, the dryer didn't shrink my clothes, the refrigerator did. <laughs> right. What a beautiful day. It's an awesome day. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. She's got us in verse 6. I'm only going to back up one to verse 5. These promises in the Old Testament are for all of us in the spirit life now. So if you understand the spiritual application for this scripture, as we're going to be talking about spiritual growth this morning as we continue to get a great understanding of what it means to grow spiritually. Okay, verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. That's a guarantee from the Lord if you, if you choose to follow him. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to the possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Now here's the warning. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. You remember when Jesus told Peter to come walk on the water? He got out of the boat. He was walking on the water. What did he do? He turned to the left, turned to the right, seeing the waves and the wind. He started to sink. His eyes were not focused on the Lord. When you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord, like it says, don't turn to the right or the left, and you'll be successful in everything you do. Can I get an amen here? That's a guarantee from the Lord in everything you do. Now look what it says in verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. And this ministry is based on the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I read it for you. Do not forget to read it continually. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. So when you meditate on the Word of God day and night, it will help you to be sure to obey it. Can I get an amen here? Amen. 
Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Now, we're talking about spiritually. You will prosper and succeed spiritually in all you do. We're not talking about material. We're talking about spiritual. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'll put a big amen there. How many of us get discouraged? It says, don't be afraid or discouraged. Now, who makes us afraid and discouraged? Satan does. Right? He did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. The devil tries to scramble your mind like scrambled eggs. So you miss the mark. And always go back to the flesh. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. So that's why spiritual growth is the key to success in the Christian life. And big amen there, right? Okay, is everybody with me so far? All right, so you may be wondering, what is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth involves learning more about and leaning into God, okay? We all start somewhere when we become Christians. At the start of our journey, some of us may be more familiar with God's word, while others may be completely new to the concept of salvation. Spiritual growth can be reflected through our actions. We can ask ourselves, are we living more for God and less for ourselves? Have our thoughts and actions towards others and God shifted, or have they remained the same since the start of our relationship with Christ? How can we get to know God in his word more? We're going to talk about that this morning. Turn with me to James chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. Now, we talked last week about God has given everything we need to live the Christian life. Okay? We cannot do this in the flesh. It can only be done in the spirit. Now, all of us try to do it in the flesh, but we fail miserably. And as time goes on, we finally give in and say, Lord, you're going to have to take over because I can't do this. I can't get rid of this body of flesh. It torments me day and night. Okay. So, everybody there? Look at verse 14. See, James and Peter and Jude reiterate what Paul is trying to say about God's grace. He's putting God's grace into the proper perspective of where it belongs. So that's why we always got to stay with James and Peter after Paul's epistle about grace. Look at verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have, have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. See, the unbelieving world cannot see spirituality. They can only see the actions that come from it. Can I get an amen here? So when they see your actions, they really know that you're spiritual when you try to glorify God by your actions. So let's just keep going here. So you say, look at verse 19. So you say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Okay? Good for you. Even the demons believe that. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? How long did God pray for a son? 
I mean, did Isaac, did he pray for a son, Abraham, right? Finally gave him a son. Then God said, I want you to offer him up to me as a sacrifice. Just imagine what he must have been going through his head. He says, you just gave him to me. Now you want me to give him back to you? But what did he do? He did it. Now look what it says. You see, his action, you see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so what happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith, Genesis 15, 6. He was even called the friend of God, Isaiah 41, verse 8. So you see, we are shown right to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different route. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Can I get an amen here? We don't work to get saved. Our works show that we are. How about a big amen on that one? Okay. So we know we talked about in Galatians the list of the flesh and the spirit. We can't, we're going to keep moving forward. So you know what the actions of the flesh are and you know what the actions of the spirit are. So we're going to keep moving down and we're going to go to when transformation and salvation takes place, spiritual growth begins, okay? The moment you believe, spiritual growth begins. The Holy Spirit comes in you and seals you and starts doing something inside you. He starts dialing things in and changing things. Okay, we're new creatures in Christ. We're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Maybe we were talking about last week. We're new creatures. We're new creations. We're born. What do you think born again means? You are born again spiritually. You start to see things in a different perspective. The world doesn't change. Your perception does. You start to see God's hand in everything. As you grow spiritually, Amen. as the flesh gets crucified very slowly, we need a lot of room to grow. As a matter of fact, it takes us the rest of our lives to grow into his image. Okay? So give yourself a break. Don't beat up on yourself or other people Jesus took to hit for you. Now, it says in 2 Corinthians verse 5, look at verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a, a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So what did he do? He saved us from ourselves and he gave us the task of what? Getting others into the kingdom. Can I get an amen here? There's a reason why he saved us. The old sinful nature begins to give way to the new Christ-like nature. Now go with me to Romans chapter 6. This church is going to get the, an understanding of what spiritual growth really means. All of us know how powerful sin is. How do you know how powerful it is? When you start to say no to it, you see how powerful it is. When you say, I don't want to do that, what your flesh wants to do. Now powerful, it drives you to want to do it more. The Lord gives sin its power. Look what it says in verse 6. Yep, Romans 6, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We're going to start there. So first we have to know what happened at the cross. Look what it says. As a matter of fact, go back to verse 5. No, go back to 4. <laughs> I want to give you the context. So you, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. This is so important. Spiritual growth is an awesome thing for us. We can enjoy the life down here like you would never believe if we grow spiritually. Look at verse 4. For we died 
and were buried with Christ by baptism. What do you mean we died? I'm still alive. <laughs> the Bible says we died physically to the sin nature. Our sin nature died when Jesus died. Now look what it says. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Being born again means you are now going to start a journey of living a new life. A new life by the way God wants you to live. The owner's manual is open, the book. Now it becomes time to obey it and do what it says. So you can receive all the blessings that he promised to give you. Okay, now look what it says. Look at verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Now, see, it says in verse 6, we know. You have to know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives. See? So we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to obey our sin nature. That's what it says. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him in the spirit. Now, why are we sure of this? Look at verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Now look what it says. When he died, listen now. When he died, he died once. Why did he die? To break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Now that you live, you live for the glory of God. Do you understand what happened? You don't live for yourself anymore. You live to glorify God. So you also, look at it says. How do I know that? Look at verse 11. The Bible is simple if you just understand it. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ, through Christ. So now he says you're dead to your power of sin and no longer is your master. Look what it says in verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. What does that mean, do not let it? That means it's a choice. You have to understand, my brothers and sisters, that it's a choice to live the old way or the new way. God never takes away our free will choice, although sometimes we wish he did. Because we make the wrong one still as Christians. But it says right here, <laughs> he died to break the life of God. Don't let sin control the way you live, or which is subject to death. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Now it says, remove that and replace it with this. This is where Christians miss the mark. And I don't want you to miss the mark. Instead, give yourself completely to God. What do you mean give yourself completely to God? It's whatever he wants, you do. He is your master now, not you or the devil. God is your master. When he calls you to do something, you drop what you're doing and you serve him. That's what it's talking about. Now, you now, look, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. Now listen, now if you're saying to yourself, well really my old life isn't bad, why do I need a new life? Well then you don't need Jesus. If you don't need a new life, then you don't need Jesus. Your old life has to be something wrong with you. You have to be a sinner. You need salvation from Jesus. If there's nothing wrong with your old life, then you don't need a new one, then you don't need Jesus. So you have to look in the mirror and say, yes, I need a new life. I need to live for God now. That's why I'm saved. Can I get an amen here? So, now look what it says. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right. Why? So I can get a plaque on the wall? No. Do what is right for the glory of God. Now we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Not to get rewarded for it. Can I get an amen for that? Doing the right thing is there's no reward in that. We're supposed to do the right thing. Now look what it says in verse 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of what? God's grace? What is the freedom of God's grace? 
The freedom lives without your sin nature. That's what the freedom is. You see it? Look what it says in verse 14. How do I know that? Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Why? The laws give sin its power. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace, the freedom to make the right choice. How about a big amen there? You have the freedom to make a right choice. Don't use an excuse anymore that you don't have the freedom to make the right choice. You have the power to do everything God wants you to do. It's a choice. Now, look what it says in verse 15. Here comes the flesh again. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course, that sounds good, right? All this in heaven too, why not, right? I'm going to heaven, what the heck? Why would keep doing what I wanted to do? And it says, of course not. Okay, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Listen, if you choose to obey the word of God, you become a slave to the word of God. If you choose to obey sin, you become a slave to sin. You can be a slave to sin. How do I know that? Well, this is what it says. Look, I'm just reading it right away. Look, look what it says. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. What do you mean leads to death? It, so if you keep living in sin as a Christian, it kills you spiritually. Your flesh comes back to life and your spirit dies. See it? Or you can choose, listen. Or you can choose to obey God. Now, choosing to obey God, what does that produce? Which leads to what? Righteous living. Wow, that's rocket science. So now we know it's a choice, right? Now, spiritual growth is a lifelong process. Let's understand this now. Don't you wish it just happened like that? Zap, I'm spiritual. We know it as well as I do. The more that I teach about this, the more we understand how powerful sin nature is. Because before we just obeyed it. We didn't try to say no to it. Now when you try to say no to it, we see how powerful it really is. And how many times we fall to it. How many times does God really want you to keep your mouth shut and you can't? How many times does God say, I don't want you to talk about anybody. Or gossip. And you still do it. You know what gossip is, right? Gossip is talking about somebody that you, they can't be there when you're talking about them. So whenever you say something, make sure the person that you're talking about can be with you. Then you know it's not gossip. But when they can't be there, you're gossiping. And God's one of the sins that God hates the most, by the way. Go read Proverbs. He hates that. So don't think you can get away with it. You will get chastened for it. So, look. Listen to your pastor. If you ain't got anything good to say, keep your mouth shut. It'll get you out of a lot of trouble. Not only with people, but with God. How about a big amen there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. It depends on that. Now, spiritual growth is a lifelong process. It depends on our study and application of God's word. First we have to study it, then we have to move on and apply it. Okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, go there. This congregation is not going to get any excuse, but they're not going to understand what it means. They're going to know exactly what it means, and God's going to hold you accountable. And so am I. Then, you know, you hear a lot, well, I'm just weak. Of course we're weak. That's why we need a Savior. But through Christ, I'm not weak anymore. I'm strong. I can say no to that nasty flesh of mine, and I can keep my mouth shut if I want to now, because Jesus is controlling me. One thing you can't do after it comes out of your mouth, you can't take it back. So wouldn't it be wise to let the Holy Spirit stop you before you run that nasty mouth against somebody? If you get anything right, say things that build up and edify. You're a Christian. Re build up and edify and pray for the people that persecute you or you think are not living right. Pray for them. Because God's the only one that can get in there and do it. Gossip in the Baltimore is definitely not going to change them. As a matter of fact, it's going to make them worse. Okay, look at verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why do I say we're going to read the Bible all the way through? Because it says in verse 16, this is the Bible. 
All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Okay, it teaches us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We don't see what's wrong with ourselves. You see, we can't see it. We can see what's wrong in everybody else, but we can't see what's wrong with us. We need to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, what I'm seeing in someone else is really that's in me. Mm -hmm. You say, no, I don't see it in myself. Of course you don't see it in yourself because sin is blinding. Mm -hmm. It just says it right here. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. You know when you come to church, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. No, we, no, no. You're here because you need to hear it. Everything that's coming off this pulpit today needs to go to you. Can I get a big amen there? It corrects us. Look what it says. The Bible is corrective. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You mean I have to be taught how to do the right thing? Yes. You don't have to be taught how to do the wrong thing. That came natural from the fall of Adam. You naturally know how to do wrong. We have to be taught how to do right. Even when we, well, our right and wrong and God's right and wrong is two different things. You need to learn God's right and wrong, not yours. And it teaches us to do what is right. Now look what it says in verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we need to read the Bible, grow, so it can prepare us to be used by God. Again, amen yet. We need to study and learn the Bible so God can use us. Are we getting this so far? As we seek spiritual growth, okay, we should pray to God and ask for wisdom concerning the areas he desires us to grow in. We can ask God to increase our faith and knowledge of him. God desires for us to grow spiritually, and he has given us all we need to experience spiritual growth. With the Holy Spirit's help, we can overcome sin and steadily become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. You see it? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. How do I know all this stuff? Because I read the Bible. God's a teacher. You know that, right? The Holy Spirit is your teacher. The Word of God is your teacher. So I'm not the teacher. The words I'm preaching to you are the teacher. I'm just a vessel for the Holy Spirit to you. And again, amen. They're nothing different, nothing good in me. I'm just like you, sinful from the core. But God did something to me. He changed me. He gave me a new life. He gave me a choice to do the right thing. And he told me, practice what you preach so they can become like Christ too. There's no, there's no power if there's no experience. There's people that can preach all they want through the Bible but never live an iota of it. It has no power. There's no transformation. I've been transformed into a new creature. Let me tell you something. You would not want the old John up behind his pulpit. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, huh? It changed me. Nothing else could change me. I was so stubborn Italian. Change? You can, you, uh, I remember with my mother, you could put the truth right in front of her and she still won't believe you. <laughs> They used to fight my aunt and my mother all the time. The, the proof was right there. No, nope, still don't believe it. <laughs> all right, look at verse 1 of 1 uh, Peter chapter 2. Now, this is such, I love Peter, because he put, hits it right on the head here. Look what he says in verse 1. So get rid of all evil behavior. You mean I can be a Christian and still have evil behavior? Why, you can't tell? You're Christians, why, you don't behave evil sometimes? It says get rid of it. So that's a choice. You have to get rid of it. Now it says, be done with all deceit, all hypocrisy. All of us are hypocrites, right? That's why we come to Jesus. He's transforming us. Jealousy and all unkind speech. Look what it says in verse 2. Like newborn babies. You must crave pure spiritual milk. Right? When you're a baby, you eat the milk. 
You drink the milk from the bottle, right? Till you get older to eat the meat. The milk is the grace of God and his mercy. It says, um, crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. All right, verse 4. Living stones for God's house. Look what it says. This is so powerful. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You see it? This, you're the temple. There's no more temple. You're the temple now. He's building you into the temple. See it? It says it right here. He's building us into the spiritual temple. What more? You are his holy priests or a holy priesthood. The Bible says you're a believer priest. That's how powerful and transformed you are. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, or Greek in Zion, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts or obeys in him will never be disgraced. Isaiah 28, verse 16. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Psalm 118.22 He is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. Isaiah 8.14 Now, what... Now, now, as I go ahead, now listen what it says. He's the stone that makes people stumble. Jesus, the rock that makes them fall. Why do they fall? Look at the next verse. They stumble because they do not okay. obey God's word. Christians stumble because they don't obey God's word. That's why you stumble, because you're not obeying. And so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. Now, this is what he's trying to say to you. You're born again. You're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You didn't choose me, I chose you. You are royal priests, a holy nation. He's building God's very own possession. Now, as a result of that, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, go out in the world right now, people don't even have an identity anymore. They don't even know what to call themselves. Before it was this and this. Now it's... I can't even pronounce them all, what you could be. Some people call themselves cats, dogs, raccoons, whatever. Why? Because they don't have the owner's manual. They're identifying themselves as whatever they think they should. Look what it says. <laughs> Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Do you realize you're God's people? Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Hosea 1, verse 6. Amen. Dear friends, look at verse 11. I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners, he's saying we're temporary residents, we're foreigners here now. He's saying we're aliens to this world. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So, what is he saying? Even though we're Christians, we have these worldly desires that wage war against us doing God's will. Now it says, look at verse 12. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Wow. It says to be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world or on the day of visitation. Now, the next one, respecting people in authority. A lot of people have a problem with authority. Problem with authority. Look what it says. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king, the head of state, or the officials he has appointed, 
For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will. You want to know what God's will is for you? Look what it says. It is God's will that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. How many people talk harshly about Christians? See it? For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't, you, listen what it says now. <coughs> don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Can I get an amen here? Do you realize Christians use that as an excuse to do evil because I'm free? Read the Bible. This is all his manual. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Who's the king? God's the king. Now it says slaves, or now you can say employees. Now we're going to go to your job, your job. You who are employees must submit to your employer with all respect or because you fear God. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Are you hearing me? When you go to work, you go to work for Jesus, no matter how they're treating you. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. We're here to please God now, not ourselves. You know as well as I do. Don't let anybody treat you like that. Quit your job. <laughs> No, you're going to work for Jesus. You do whatever they tell you to do. God will get you out of there if he has to, but he's trying to teach you a lesson here. Look what it says. For God, look at verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. You don't hear this out there in the Christian world. God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. We are going to suffer for doing good in a world that does bad. That's why spiritual growth is important. To understand that I still have to be obedient and do good. I have no excuse for doing wrong. I belong to Jesus Christ. He's my advocate. When I leave it in his hands, things will go okay for me. He's my vindicator. When you go to court, Jesus is our advocate, the Holy Spirit is your lawyer. When you go to court, do you speak out for yourself or do you keep your mouth shut and let the lawyer represent you? It's the same thing in the world. Jesus is your lawyer. He represents you. You keep your mouth shut and leave it in his hands. That's the obedient part. Amen. Instead, when you speak out for yourself, you get yourself in trouble. Or fired. You don't want That's why spiritual growth is the key. I'm trying to teach you the understanding that obedience is the power of you living down here in freedom and not having any problems. Obedience. Which isn't taught very much. Because we don't like to be obedient. We like to do whatever we want to do. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But if you want God to protect you here, which he will, you have to obey the way he tells you to do things. You want your prayers to get answered? You have to live righteously. You have to evaluate yourself. What I'm praying for. Am I hindering my prayers? By living ungodly? You can pray all you want. If you're living for the devil, he ain't going to pray. He ain't going to answer it. Can I get an amen here? Amen. No. It said, God, look at verse 21. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered or died for you. He is your example. Listen to what it says. He is your example, which is the word of God, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. Isaiah 53, verse 9. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Now, didn't I just get done saying that? To leave it in God's hands? Okay. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross 
so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away. He calls us sheep. But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Who's the guardian of your souls? The word of God. Jesus is the word of God. That's the guardian. That's the God against you living for the devil and taking over. The problem is we're going to get that in here. Once it gets in here, now it has to become in here. It has to go from your head to your heart and become part of you. That's the process of sanctification. The penalty of sin has been paid for. At the cross, he died. That one time you accepted him into your life, heaven is your home. The penalty is paid for. But the power of sin that we still fight with is an ongoing battle. That's the process of sanctification while we're here. The penalty's been done. You can't set, you can't, you can't mistake it. The penalty's been done. The moment you believe, you're sealed. You're going to heaven. Now, the power of sin that still controls us is being overcome slowly. And then, there's three parts to sin. There's the, the penalty, then there's the power of sin, and then there's the presence of sin, that we won't be away from the presence of sin till we go home to be with him. Can I get an amen? So you can't separate, you have to separate the three. The penalty is paid for, you can't improve on that. The moment you believe it was done, this is what we're improving on. Our sanctification, growing into his image. Well, most people don't get taught that. They think it's all the same. It's not. Thank God that your salvation is locked in, the penalty is paid for. This is the part that we stumble with while we're here. So then you have to question yourself, am I saved? I don't know if I'm saved. Well, the moment you believed, he said he sealed you by his spirit. Now what is he doing? Now he's working inside you, slowly turning you into his image. It's a process. All of us grow at different rates. So we get an understanding of this? So now we know that we don't have to beat ourselves up anymore when we fail. Not if, but when. How many of us still fail? Well, we don't have to beat ourselves up anymore. We have to, we, now we're getting a clear understanding that I'm just growing up. When you're a kid, say you've been a Christian two, three, four years, you're still a kid. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. Five, 10, 15 years old. When you were 15 years old growing up, did you make any mistakes? Of course you did. Then when you become 15, 16, 17, 18, 20, you know everything. Right? You can't, nobody can tell you anything when you're growing up. It's the same thing in the spiritual life. You start growing spiritually, you start to get prideful when you get older in the spirit, and thinking that nobody can teach you anything anymore. And then God has to what? Knock us down again and start shaping us all over again. Because we're stubborn. Got a big amen here, right? Amen. Now it says, uh, how do we all know if we're grown spiritually as Christians? How do we really know? How can you tell? We're going to break into this, but we're out of time. That's one of this. Here are some suggestions to answer that question, though. The very fact that a person asks such a question seriously is itself an indication that one is grown spiritually. Just by asking if I'm growing. Okay? If we never ask ourselves such questions, then we have reason to question if we do have any spiritual life. One question to be put ourselves would be, do we thirst more for God than we used to? Is it none less than Jesus Christ himself who assures us that hungering and thirsting after righteousness is the undisputable mark of belonging to the kingdom of God? When you start to thirst for him, can I get an amen here? Are you starting to thirst for him? Do you want his word more in your life? That's how you know the spirit is in you. Convicting you and changing you and molding you. Alright? That's how you know. Okay? Ultimately, righteousness can only be found in Jesus Christ, which is the word. A second clue to growing as a Christian is if we grieve over sins which we did not grieve over previously. Okay? Even though... We were converted for many years. Surely if we are grown in Christ's image, we will become more sensitive to sin, and therefore we should be more heavily burdened when, not, if we do wrong. How many of us get convicted when we do wrong, though? That's how you know. 
When you do the monkey, you get convicted. Before you did, you just went full force into it. All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that message. We have more to teach on this. I'm going to call the ushers to come up and we're going to close.
for the never-ending grace and mercy you have for us, even though we may not deserve it, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we all can come to you in your word each day, Lord, while humbly and patiently just waiting on you, Lord. And I pray you can give us the strength and the desire, Lord, to just come to you in your word each day for guidance and direction, Lord, and use it as a shield against the attacks by the devil, Lord. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I just pray you can convict our hearts and the things of this world, Lord, and just give us the uh, desire to rid ourselves of the things that serve as nothing more than a distraction to you and your word, Lord. So when that next test comes before us, Lord, we're able to pre better prepare to handle it in the spirit and not the flesh, Lord. And Lord, I just pray we continue to watch over this congregation, Lord, anybody who's sick, not feeling well, or just might be going through something, Lord, you just touch their hearts, reassure them, and you'll never leave them or forsake them, Lord. And you'll be with them always. And I just pray this in your son's mighty, precious name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dave. All right, the service is over. Have a great day until we meet again. God bless. Peace. Peace. Don't forget to go get some baked goodies. <laughs>